You did this. I'm not going to clean it up either. You're going to be the one to do it. Japheth yelled. I had nothing to do with this. Get your hands off me. Ham yelled back, pushing Japheth away. Japheth fell back into a pile of hay and hurriedly scrambled back onto his feet, lunging at Ham. The two brothers started having an out-and-out fistfight. Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max and Liz. This podcast is brought to you by Playful World Ministries. Max, Liz, and all the characters and adventures of the Epic Order of the Seven were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. And as you listen to this episode from the audiobook, The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud, keep in mind, you can download your very own copy of The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud, the audiobook, by visiting www.audible.com. And, yes, there's now a second audiobook available. It's called The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key. As Max, Liz, and the entire Epic Order of the Seven take us back to colonial America, where they meet George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, and many others who orchestrated America's independence from British tyranny, including the voice of the revolution himself, Patrick Henry. I know not what course others may take. He groaned through clenched teeth, slowly raising his gaze. But as for me, give me liberty or give me death. The Voice, the Revolution, and the Key is just another amazing story written by Jenny L. Cody and now available on audiobook. And again, each of these audiobooks can be purchased right now by logging on to audible.com. And we say thank you. Now, on to today's episode. Today we'll hear Chapter 58 from The Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud. And a little later we'll head over to Jenny's Corner and hear from our uh, Bonnie author lass, as Max calls her, or our author très magnifique, as Liz calls her, Jenny Cody, as she helps us become a little better acquainted with the humans of our story. Yes, the illustrious and ever-popular Noah family. But speaking of Max and Liz, here's your hosts with the exact same names, Max and Liz. Ah, oh, monsieur, you are so funny. Aye, <laughs> you're a laugh riot, lad. <laughs> so, Liz, moving on. It be looking like we're closing in on the end of our story. Well, so it would seem, but with the ark stuck on top of a very tall mountain, still surrounded by water, eh, who can tell? Aye, that's true, but you know, they've been on that big boat for quite a long time now. Well, several months, we, oui, but uh, a long time? Well, that is a very relative term. Uh, several months is quite a while, but compared to the American Revolution, of which Monsieur Anonso just spoke, that was nearly 250 years ago. And that'd be a long time. We, oui, but then compare that to when King David uh, ruled over Israel. Oh, that was thousands of years ago. But compared to Adam and Eve, which had to be at least... All right, lass. You made your point then. We, oui. how long is a long time? It is completely relative. Aye, and speaking of relatives... <laughs> you see what I did there, Liz? Ah, oh, we, oui, clever. It were a good thing that the maker picked Noah to be the captain of the ship, right? For he were the only righteous man the maker could find. Uh, we, oui, that is true. So, of course, being the only righteous man, he must have had the most righteous family, right? Well, I suppose. Aye, in fact... 
though for months and months they were cramped in tight aboard this closed vessel, with barely a window to let a wee bit of fresh air in. Uh, Max, where is this going? All were peaceful and blissful among the Noah family, the most righteous of all families. Even though thousands of animals were packed in their tight, making the air scented with a fragrance of... Uh, Max? Lilacs and roses. Uh, not quite. And so, making for a perfect atmosphere... Not even close. For love and harmony among the members of the Noah family. Aye, especially the brothers. Wait, uh, pardon? Aye, the sons of Noah, a fine lot of righteous brothers. Well again, relatively speaking... Aye, they were fine relatives and loving brothers. For who could measure up love higher than the love that brothers share for each other? Um, practically anybody else. For there were nearly a harsh word between them. Uh, you obviously didn't have brothers, did you? Always willing to reach out a helping hand. To give them a wet willy. Arms always ready to embrace one another. In a headlock? Liz, why do you be contradicting me like that? Because brothers are, uh, brothers. Meaning what? Meaning they are nothing like you just described. But Liz, this were Noah's family, the most righteous family of all. Do you know any brothers? Have you ever seen brothers in the same room? Well, maybe not. Then you have no idea what you are talking about. Well, now, see here, Liz. We're talking about the Noah family. So these are the best-behaved brothers in the world. After the floods, they were the only brothers in the world. Uh, Max, Liz? That's because they were righteous. Noah was righteous. Oh, so his boys were a bunch of hooligans then? That is not what I am saying. Hey, stop. Let me uh, put this in perspective for both of you. Fine. Fine. Brothers always get along. Excusez-moi? Ha, so there. Yep. Brothers get along about like, uh, about like cats and dogs. Uh, what? Ah, oui, monsieur. Je comprends. Chapter 58. The Big Sendout. Ada winced and covered her ears as she listened to the rooster and the raven go at it, waking the ark. Oh, Noah, one of the things I look forward to most when we get back on dry land is a quieter beginning to the day. Ada stretched and yawned, patting Noah on the back to see if he was getting up. Well, I think it might get quieter here soon, even before we get to dry land, Noah replied with a yawn. He rubbed his eyes to get them focused. What do you mean? Ada asked, tying her sash around her waist. Noah lit the oil lamp for Ada. When we begin to see dry land, I'm going to do a test. I'll send out a bird to scout the area and test the water levels. I was thinking I might use the raven. Do you really think that day will come soon? It's been over two months since we made landfall. We knew it would take some time for the dry land to appear, but two months? Ham is beside himself wanting to get off this ark, Ada said as she made their bed. Noah chuckled. 
<laughs> I'll bet if Ham could fly, he'd be the first to volunteer to go scout out the land. He barely leaves the observation area. He keeps scanning the horizon for dry land, willing it to pop out from the water. I heard Maybeer scolding him for falling asleep out there more than once. If we're so antsy to get off the ark, I can only imagine how the animals must feel cooped up in their stalls. Poor dears. They have to be reaching their limit, too, Ada said. Na left leg, and one, and two, and three, and four, that's right, you can do it, and five, and six, and seven, and eight. Come on now, a few more, and nine, and ten, and back again, shouted Leia the flamingo as she led the animals in morning exercise. Despite their readiness to leave the ark, the animals couldn't deny that they were in excellent shape from the daily exercise routine. Liz's idea probably saved them from gaining a lot of weight and feeling physically bad over these past few months. Al shook his belly and counted along with Leah. And now shake those tails if you have them. He circled his fluffy tail around in circles to the beat of the monkeys and songbirds. He couldn't wait for breakfast. He always justified eating more at breakfast since he had just worked out. Unfortunately, he ate about as much as he worked off, so he remained uh, pleasantly plump. Suddenly, the animals heard the humans yelling from the upper deck. It sounded like they were cheering. Al stopped in mid-shake and looked over at Liz, who sat listening intently to what the humans were saying. A big grin broke out on her face as she turned to Al. It's finally happened! Liz trotted away quickly to the ramp leading to the upper level. What finally happened? Al called behind her. Land! Ziv finally spotted land! Liz yelled back with enthusiasm. At those words, the animals erupted in a cheer that spread like wildfire through the stalls. And just where do you think you're going? Henriette said. Her feathers puffed up as Shem carried Rico the raven away. She wasn't grumpy as much as she was concerned. Beats me, Signora. Tell Maria to follow me. Hurry! Rico squawked back. Shem rubbed his thumb on Rico's head and smiled. It's okay, fella. Father's got an exciting mission for you. You get to be an explorer today. Henriette went run-waddling down the corridor to get Maria. Her wings spread wide as she went as fast as she could. Oh, Sekua! Help! Maria! The human is taking Rico away! Wait! Hurry! Maria turned quickly and took off flying down the corridor just as Henriette reached her. Gracias, amiga! She called out as she flew away. Henriette was out of breath. If only I could fly. The fat hen turned around and started run waddling toward the ramp to reach the upper deck. It might take her a while, but she had to see what was happening. Noah gently took Rico from Shem's hand and held the raven up to look him in the eye. You have an important mission, my friend. The mountaintops are appearing. 
I need you to fly and look around to be my eyes for the condition of the earth. <laughs> Father, really? This bird can't understand a word you're saying, Ham chuckled. Liz caught Rico's attention and smiled, rolling her eyes at the silly humans. How little they truly understood. Bon voyage, mon ami. What an honor for you to be chosen by Noah for this important mission. Noah smiled at the petite black cat that meowed and circled his legs as she looked up at the raven. Perhaps they know more than we think, Ham. He chuckled and lifted Rico above his head. And now, fly and see what you can see. Noah released Rico and the blackbird took off in flight. Wait for me, Rico. I'm coming too, Maria exclaimed, flying out and joining her mate. Ah, bonita love. See, let's go together, Rico said as the two ravens flew toward the far horizon. Maria called back to Liz. Por favor, tell Henriette adios and that I love her. Noah observed that as the ravens flew in the distance, they kept landing from place to place on top of the water. But they weren't landing on pieces of earth. They were landing on floating debris. They continued on to the horizon. Henriette was huffing and puffing by the time she reached the upper deck, placing her wing on the railing as she caught her breath. Uh, Madame, what is happening? Liz softly walked over to Henriette and placed her dainty paw on the hen's shoulder. She knew what a special friend Maria was to Henriette. Mon ami, Noah has given Rico an important mission to go see how far the waters have receded. Henriette looked at Liz. So, where is Maria? Does she know? Liz smiled thoughtfully at her dear friend. Oui, Maria has gone with Rico. She did not want to be apart from him. You can understand this, no? But... Will they be back? Henriette asked, her eyes filling with tears in a rare show of emotion. I do not know, mon ami. It appears they keep landing and taking flight again. But they keep flying further away. Maria did ask me to tell you farewell and to tell you she loves you. Liz softly replied. Henriette cleared her throat and lifted her head to the horizon as she watched Maria fly off in the distance with Rico. The humans were cheering and talking excitedly about what the raven might find and the thoughts of soon being able to leave the ark. Liz felt sorry for Henriette. No, the humans had no idea about animals and birds and how they felt about things. Their laughter felt almost irreverent in light of what Henriette was feeling. Liz decided to give Henriette some time alone to gather her emotions, giving the hen a squeeze on the wing before leaving the upper deck. The humans all followed and made their way back to their living quarters. Henriette remained alone at the railing, barely able to see her friend now. Two black dots were visible in the distance. Henriette was not good with goodbyes, so was somewhat relieved things happened so quickly. She looked up and lifted her wing in a gesture of farewell, though Maria couldn't see her. 
Au revoir, mon ami. Merci. Et au revoir. I'm telling you I cleaned this mess up last night, Japheth said to Shem, furious about the overturned buckets of dirty water everywhere. Tensions were already high and everyone was on edge. The raven had not returned. Their initial hopes of getting off the ark rapidly dwindled. Maybe you thought you cleaned up this area. It's a big ark, you know, Shem said. Don't try to get out of work, Japheth. Fair is fair, and it's your turn to clean. Japheth grabbed Shem by the arm. I'm telling you I cleaned it. I had all these buckets ready to be dumped overboard this morning. Maybe somebody came behind me and messed it up on purpose. Hey, don't look at me. I didn't do anything, Shem said, holding his hands up to defend his innocence. Ham called from the upper deck. You done down there yet, Japheth? Woo-wee! It's extra ripe in here today! Japheth looked at Shem, fuming. I'm going to kill him. I worked until late last night and fell into bed exhausted, and I wake up to find this mess. I bet he did this. Japheth took off running after Ham. Liz sat with a concerned look on her face, slapping her tail up and down as she watched this argument heat up between the humans. I don't like this, she murmured. Don't like what, senora? Don Pedro asked. He was in a great mood. Henriette had been so quiet after Maria's departure that he didn't let anything get to him. The humans are arguing, and this could turn ugly, Liz worried. Liz's gaze followed Japheth as he reached the upper deck where Ham stood, laughing at his brother. Japheth grabbed Ham by the collar and accused him of making the mess that he would have to clean all over again. You did this. I'm not going to clean it up either. You're going to be the one to do it, Japheth yelled. I had nothing to do with this. I didn't do anything. Get your hands off me, Ham yelled back, pushing Japheth away. Japheth fell back into a pile of hay and hurriedly scrambled back onto his feet, lunging at Ham. The two brothers started having an out-and-out fistfight. Shem saw it, too, and ran to break it up. Ham and Japheth exchanged blow after blow, each knocking the other against the upper railing, which towered forty feet above the lower corridor. Liz shuddered as she saw part of the railing begin to give way. If one of the humans fell, they could be killed. This isn't good. We must intervene. Liz said as she jumped up on the stall railing and opened the latch to the gate. Don Pedro, look at me. I give you full permission to run down the corridor. Don Pedro couldn't believe his ears. What, senora? You actually want me to run? Oui, mon ami. Run like the wind. Now, go. Liz said as she slapped the big bull on the backside to get him to take off. Don Pedro snorted and scraped his hoof before bolting out of the stall. He ran like he hadn't run in months, flying down the corridor. He was exhilarated with the speed and had no intention of stopping. Madame, how could you let the silly boof do this? Henriette exclaimed, not believing her eyes. Patience, patience, Henriette. 
There is a method to my madness. I had to create a diversion. To get the humans to stop fighting. Someone is going to get seriously injured or worse if they don't stop. Liz shouted as she ran out of the stall toward Duke. Duke, quickly, sound your trumpet blast to get the attention of the humans, Liz directed. Duke lifted his trunk high in the air and let loose a loud blast that shook the ark. Shem, startled with the sound, looked down and then noticed the bull running like mad down the corridor. Stop it, you two! You can beat each other up later. The bull is out and some damage is going to be done if we don't stop him now! Shem yelled as he pulled the two fighting brothers apart. Come on! Follow me! Ham wiped the blood from his mouth, and Japheth held his eye, as they grudgingly agreed and followed Shem back down the ramp. It's working! C'est bon! Liz exclaimed as the humans ran past her to chase after Don Pedro. Why do I ever doubt you, madame? Henriette said. <laughs> Merci, Henriette. I'm sure Don Pedro will need your help once again to calm down after this experience, Liz said smiling. Henriette smiled and straightened up. She had purpose again. Her mind would be distracted from missing Maria now. She had a bowl to get under control. Mais oui! I will have that silly buff back to good behavior in no time. Liz smiled. This experience turned out to serve a dual purpose. Save the humans and help Henriette out of her sadness. She gave a silent merci to the Maker, for the wisdom to know what to do, and turned to Henriette. I'm sure you will, mon ami. I'm sure you will. Noah was understandably upset. He paced back and forth across the room, glaring at his two sons. Ham and Japheth were a mess. Blood covered the front of their tunics. Ham's lip was fat, and Japheth's eye was black and swollen shut. Maybeer and Lily gave their husbands pieces of ice that they'd chipped off the polar bear stall, frowning as they saw how ridiculous the brothers looked. I don't want to hear any more about it. I don't care who started it. Both of you are responsible for how you handled it. Grown men like you, fighting. It's ridiculous. You're over a hundred years old, for goodness sake, Noah ranted. Plus... While you were fighting, the bull got loose and knocked over more of the dirty water buckets as he ran down the corridor. It took all four of us to get him under control and back in his stall. Now there's even more mess to clean up. Ham and Japheth looked to the ground. They may have been over a hundred, but they were still acting like boys, and now their father was scolding them. They felt like ten-year-olds. I'm sorry, father. I started it. I'll own to that. I don't know who messed up my hard work, but I shouldn't have gone after Ham the way I did, Japheth said. Noah pointed to Ham. Don't apologize just to me. Apologize to your brother. Japheth looked at Ham with his one good eye and swallowed his pride. I'm sorry, Ham. I was out of line. Even if you were acting the way you were, I should have held my temper. Ham looked at Noah, who glared at him with a better apologize back to your brother look in his eye. 
apology accepted. And I'm sorry I messed with you and egged you on like that. Japheth couldn't withhold his laughter. Ham's lip was so swollen that he spoke with a lisp. What's so funny? Ham said, starting to chuckle himself at the sight of Japheth's puffed-up bruised eye. I think you both gave each other equal reminders of this argument, Noah said, happy for the comic relief for his sons. We need some peace around here. Shem entered the kitchen area, carrying a dove. Here he is, father. Oh, good. Thank you, Shem. Listen up, everyone. The raven has not returned, and I assume he will not be coming back. So now I'm going to send out this dove to search the land. I have a feeling we will see him again, Noah explained as he looked the dove in the eye. You look like a peaceful fellow. Japheth and Ham, as I send this dove off, I want you two to pledge to keep the peace from here on out. Agreed? Japheth and Ham nodded and got up to follow their father to the observation deck. Noah held up the dove. Okay, my little friend, today you symbolize peace between us. From this day on, we will not allow our tempers to get out of control, but will maintain peace in the ark. As you fly away, take our frustrations with you and return with hope. Go in peace. The dove flew off to the horizon as Noah and his sons watched. This time it would be different. Noah just had a feeling. Little did Noah know, the dove's name was Shalom, meaning peace. Uh, so, uh, Liz. Uh, Max, I want to, uh... Oh, for goodness sake, just hug it out, you two. Uh, we don't hug so well, lad. You might notice our paws are not really set up for hugging. Well, then, kiss and make up. Ew! I'll not be licking a cat. And that hurts coming from a dog when you consider... Uh, shalom, remember? Oui, uh, pardon, you are right, Monsieur Denis. <laughs> Boy, we don't get to say that very often, do we? Right? Uh, Max, I would like to extend to you the right paw of fellowship. Uh, you pulled your clothes back in then, right? Oui, mon ami. Uh, shake? Do you want to shake? Well, do you want to shake? Come on, who wants to shake? I, I, I! Good boy, Max. And that's a good kitty, Liz. Ah, shalom at last. Oh, well played, monsieur. Uh, but seeing the different personalities of these characters, uh, which uh, we really don't know very well, means just one thing. Aye, it means that Miss Jenny done some real good imagining then. So, let's go to Jenny's corner and get the inside scoop, huh? Uh, bonjour, Miss Jenny. Liz, what's on your brilliant mind today? Well, we got to see a different side to Noah's sons, uh, not a good one either, and it occurs to me that uh, we really knew very little about them. Aye, so once again, lass, you've done a great job of bringing them to life. So, uh, Miss Jenny, what were some of the challenges in creating Noah's family, huh? and what made it fun for you to do? First challenge is really their names. You know, we didn't know all of the names, especially the women. And I had to come up with their names, and I researched 
Hebrew names um, from as far back as I could gather. And, you know, humans really haven't changed much across time. You know, I mean, we change our clothes and our attire and depending on where we are geographically, our language varies, the color of our skin varies, things like that, maybe how we look. But the heart of the human hasn't changed a whole lot. We all laugh, we all cry, we all wonder about things. And so it was kind of fun to bring these characters to life, not only just the things that we knew in Scripture, the little bit that we knew, but to just put myself in their shoes again. How did they feel about this? How did they feel about losing all their family and friends beyond their immediate family? Perhaps maybe they had cousins that rejected the maker and didn't come on the ark. You know, and and Shem losing his best friend, you know, and watching the people ridicule them. You know, I had to imagine, what did that feel like? And so one of the challenges, again, is always to make sure that the things that I am having them say and do is consistent with the characters themselves. Well, Miss Jenny, as always, you've done a great job of bringing them to life for us. Well done, lass. And uh, quite realistic, no? That even the most righteous family uh, could still find ways to hide it. <laughs> Them brothers didn't act so righteous. They just acted like brothers. Where's then, uh, Brother Denis? Uh, thanks, Liz, I think. We oui, uh, so now... It remains to be seen what will happen with the dove, Shalom. And Shalom to you, too. That is his name. <laughs> I know. I, I couldn't resist. Well, you could have tried. I, I think Liz were wanting you to tell us about what be happening next time. Oh, well, uh, sorry. It's a surprise. That's it? That's all you got? What about Shalom? Does he return to the ark? Does he find land? And how are Noah and his family handling all of this? Well, you'd be surprised. I wouldn't be if you would tell me. True, but then that would ruin the surprise. Okay, lad. Just tell us the title of the chapter then, and we'll just leave it at that. Oh, you just want the title? Aye. Okay. Our next episode features the chapter from the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud entitled Surprises. Way to go, Max. How was I to know? Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, and The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud was written by Jenny L. Cody. To purchase your copy of The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud on audiobook, log on to audible.com. And for all the amazing books in print by Jenny L. Cody, the entire collection of The Epic Order of the Seven, log on to Jenny's website, www.epicorderoftheseven.com. That's epicorderofthe7.com. See you next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thanks for joining us. Have a grand day!